You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White, Blue CFL Podcast. My name is Oz Davis. I'm the co-host of the show. We're going to be recapping the momentous week 11 in CFL football shortly. And whereas normally I would introduce my co-host, first I'm going to introduce the theme of this particular show, which is, is it over? Because I'd like to ask my co-host, Joe Pritchard, is the battle between the Pritchard household and COVID-19 now over? Basically. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Any casualties? No. Uh, okay. The wife and I were both pretty sick for a couple of days. Okay. Me first, her after, and then I, I think my son was sick for like a total of an hour before he's like, you know what? Damn. I don't feel like being sick, so I'm not going to sick me anymore. Nice. <clears throat> nice. Nice. Good. Good. Sometimes those kid immune systems are strong and sometimes they just mutate the virus into something evil. So nice. Good. Because there's nothing worse than a sick kid. There's nothing worse than that. It it's just makes you feel really terrible. So good. I'm glad you guys emerged unscathed. This is ostensibly Joe's reason for missing last week. I think it had something to do with the Montreal Alouettes win over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But That was the night I was the sickest i mean to be fair wow really during that <laughs> yes. game oh, during that man. game i felt awful and oh, i kept feeling funny. awful afterwards now mind you i would have still felt awful but it was even worse <laughs> <laughs> so well all good things etc cetera, etc cetera. so greg james of course hosted the show last week i wanted to know joe if if you heard it and if you appreciated his great superstition about that game where I, the blue bombers should not have come out with a big W on their chest. No, I don't like those jerseys to begin with. <laughs> and I, I'm like one of the few bomber fans that don't like that look. It's kind of weird, but um, I didn't like the look to begin with. And now I absolutely hate it. <laughs> it is, well, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, I kind of like, as I said on the show last week, I kind of like the monochrome look. If it's not one of these, you know, neon color rush kind of outfits that the NFL played with for a couple of years there. Um, Oh, come on. I kind of like Thunder back every once in a while, don't we? (laughs) I mean, any any way I can bring Kerwin Bell into the conversation is a good one, right? I was just actually uh, enthusing this week about the matchup of the Stampeders versus the Argonauts. Uh, The Argonauts were wearing the dark blue and the light blue, and the Stamps were in the red and white. Uh, Actually, the white and red, I should say. And uh, wow, that looked really good. That looked really good. And I am putting this in there because Greg James is lamenting the fact that no one talks about CFL uniforms anymore on podcasts. So there you go. That's my talk about uniforms for this particular episode. Okay. So in general, quite a momentous week in the CFL vis-a-vis 
I guess a lot of teams have to start pushing panic buttons. A lot of teams are ejecting their quarterbacks, whether forcibly, uh, whether by choice or not, I should say. Um, a lot of switching like that is going around. And a lot of teams, I think, are having to face some hard truths after this week's games. So let's go through these games. And I'm going to be asking Joe very often, is it over for X uh, as we go through? We let off the week with, I don't know, in, in one way, kind of an interesting game, but in another way, just a total disappointment for the Red Blacks. Edmonton Elks 30, Ottawa Red Blacks 12. Uh, let, let me start with this one, Joe. When did you think this game was over? When Edmonton came out hot in the second half. Really? Yeah. See, see, because I threw in the towel, so to speak, very early in this game. I threw in the towel at halfway through the first quarter when, um, when Lewis Ward took the rough in the kicker call. And I'll tell you why. Did you see how hard he hit the ground? I knew that was going to screw him up for the rest of the game. And we've seen all year that he's been the only consistent scorer for this team. As soon as that happened, I was like, this is trouble. Okay. So Ottawa scored a few plays later. Okay. Uh, Ward converted the extra point, but sure enough, bam, bam. Next two field goal attempts, miss, miss two rouges instead of six points. Um, and, and, and opportunities left behind that could have been touchdowns and right. yeah, it was pretty clear that they were leaving a lot on the table, right. but Edmonton didn't step up and say, this is our game until the first drive of the third quarter. Once well, they did yeah. that, it's like, okay, they've got this. Ottawa's got nothing left. I mean, if you're an Edmonton Elks fan, especially after this season, you're watching that second half over and over and over again. I mean, this is what the Elks playbook looks like when it's running well. They had, I, I actually went through and counted all this. The Red Blacks had the ball less than two and a half minutes in the fourth quarter, three minutes, 48 seconds in the third quarter. Okay, so that's about six minutes, 15 seconds total in the second half. Okay, you're not going to win too many games when you lose time of possession by a four to one ratio. I mean, like, like the Red Blacks just couldn't stop anything on defense, which precipitated this, I thought. And, and you know, it's weird that I hadn't thought of this earlier in the season, and I hadn't heard much about this earlier in the season, but the mutterings about Paula police are coming out. I mean, how much blame do you put on Paula police on for this team that, okay, granted freakish injury to quarterback early in the season. Okay. Granted, but this team was supposed to be a contender and, and they, and they've shown nothing except for, except for Ward this whole season. Is it over for Paula police? In yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think this is his last season for, for a couple wow. of reasons. Okay. First, he had the run as head coach in Winnipeg that, could have been 
considered unlucky because he 2010 was a four and 14 season on a team that was like 500 in Pythagorean. Like they lost every single close That's game right. they could possibly lose. Right. So you can one season, you could chalk up to bad luck. Okay. Gray cup the next season coming out of the East, losing to BC in BC after BC had gotten hot. I mean, what are you going to do about that? And then 2012 didn't go well. The team was starting to leak talent left and right. They hit rock bottom the next season. So you could get, you could understand that, hey, maybe he didn't have good luck the first time around. These things will happen, right? But now you got the second time around. He hasn't had a great hand dealt to him this time either. But at some point, you have to start winning games. It didn't happen last year for sure. Got a new GM, got a whole new talent infusion, and it's not happening this year. Mm-hmm. He's had three different quarterbacks that he can call starters as of what next week, I, I want to say. And the offense isn't producing at all, and he's supposed to be the offensive guy. So at some point, that would have needed to kick in him being an offensive genius like people want to want to say he is at some point he would have had to find a way to make that team a little bit more successful than it is because they're i mean besides this week they're not getting the doors blown off of them for the most part they're but then the last couple of weeks they've come out and shot goose eggs on offense at home and it started and it's going downhill mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. yeah th- i mean there were games where they were being kept in by the defense and by Ward. I mean, as long as the defense was keeping that meter in the under, you know, of the point spread, I mean, they had a puncher's chance. Well, I guess, even though they're one and eight right now, but they uh, ostensibly, they stayed in these games, right? But you could have easily seen them as a 500 team, even a couple weeks ago. But ever since August has hit, their offense has just run on empty. Yeah, but he nothing, wasn't able to get anything out of Caleb Evans. No, Caleb Evans has some talent with his feet, but when I was there live a couple weeks ago, I was picking up by the second quarter. He wasn't when he would take the snap, he would have his head pointed one way, it would not move unless he took off running, mm. which means he wasn't taking a lot of time at raids. He may have had right. one or two max, and then he was off. Right. And given it's his second season, this is the season he would have been expected to take a leap. And because sh- last year he got thrown into the fire. Hard to do, especially as a rookie in this game. But the second year is when you expect to see the quarterback take a, take some progression, take some steps, and that's not happening. And it took Paul Opelis far too long, both these last couple games, to get Evans out of there. Because he wasn't seeing the field. He wasn't making throws. He wasn't getting the ball downfield. Nick Arbuckle hasn't exactly covered himself in glory this year either. (laughs) And you have to wonder why teams keep giving up on him so quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ottawa gave up on him before they even saw him play. After signing him in 2020, they they let him go in 2021 and took Matt Nichols instead. Mm -hmm. At that point... They thought Nichols was that, a better that, team. That, that should have been the big red light, the big warning light to everybody that something's not right here. When Ottawa took the step of, hey, we have this guy under contract. We've had him around for a year. We've taught him the offense. 
and he's and he had come off of a 2019 season where he had subbed for Bo Levi and looked pretty decent doing that. But again, Calgary's coaching staff can make just about anybody look good. That should have been our first warning that they had him for a year and didn't want to keep the younger guy over the older guy. Yeah, that was this other that was the other question I had. I mean, like, what do you do here? Do you stick with Caleb Evans? Something different. Because yeah, Caleb mean, Evans ain't doing it. Okay. So we can't stick with him, but then do you go to Nick Arbuckle? And and also, do you I mean you called the last one? Do you fire Paul Law Police during a bye week? I mean, they had a bye week last week and they didn't do it. Like <laughs> What the what the hell? If you were going to do it, last week was the time to do it. Coming off that awful game against Calgary, where Calgary didn't have anything on offense either, the defense mm. kept Ottawa in the whole game. Mm. But yes. and that was your opportunity to make a move midseason and ha- and expect it to bear some fruit. At this point, I could see him going to the end of the season, maybe one or two games before the end of the year, if they really decide to cut cut ties. At that point, but I can't see Sean Burke bringing him back for a second year when he wasn't the one that hired him to begin with. Right. Yep. Yep. Sure. Yeah. He's definitely got that uh, no vote of confidence there. Uh, All right. Moving on to game two, which was BC Lions 28, Saskatchewan Rough Riders 10. Now, I have a piece here, or I read a piece today by Rob Vanstone over at the Regina Leader Post. Headlined with Saskatchewan Rough Riders season is a lost cause. Even the crossover is being written off as questionable to undoable by the riders at this point in the season. Um, okay, well, I could ask you in short, Joe. I mean, I mean, is is this a lost cause? Are they over? No. Okay, they're not over. Okay. Um, all right. For me, what I didn't get in this game is, <laughs> again, like I, I've been confused by this team all year. They seem to have the penalties and the unsportsmanlike stuff under control. I mean, last week against the Elks, uh, the Elks outpenaltied them. I guess they still took a lot of penalties, nine or ten in that game, but it didn't seem so egregious as it had been in previous games, but what I don't get stuff, what I don't get is stuff like, okay, Jamal Morrow, first two plays of the game goes for a nine and 13. Then he doesn't get another carry until 18 game minutes later. And it's the second quarter. Then he doesn't get another one until the third quarter when he gets to run on the last play of the quarter. And his last touch of the game is when they're down 28 to 11 in the fourth quarter on third and two, and he can't even convert because the offensive line, which has been bad all game, is completely shagged out at this point. I mean, like, how much of this is coaching and how much of this is Cody Fajardo who got pulled in this game? Uh, Both. Okay. Because we know Cody isn't at full strength with the knee injury. A lot of his game is mobility, making plays on the run. And when you have a knee injury, that's going to limit that ability to happen. 
He's also not new to the league. The league has had a couple years now to figure out who he is. He came out. He came as a bolt out of the blue for most of us, at least in 2019. And it took teams a while to decipher how to how to limit him from hurting them. Okay. They seem to have figured that out by now. <laughs> okay, so what makes you think that the season is not a lost cause for the Rams? Well, two, like actually, a couple of different reasons. Okay. One, we haven't referenced the fact that BC lost their quarterback yet, have we? Right. We haven't right. referenced we haven't that. We haven't gotten to Calgary playing musical quarterbacks at this point, which is right. something I never thought I'd see. <laughs> we haven't referenced the fact that the East is a dumpster fire and that finishing fourth in the West is very likely a playoff ticket. And we haven't seen right. enough of Mason Fine to know if he could okay. take over if Cody goes down permanently, whether it's by performance or by being injured further. So we haven't seen... We haven't seen enough to write them off. Now, we get Mason Fine in the next couple of weeks, and he's a disaster, and we go to the next step, and he's a disaster. Yeah, even finishing fourth at that point, you're still done. But we don't. We haven't seen enough yet to write them off, I don't think. Okay, okay. All right, well, I'm going to – I did some more schedule speculation today particularly with the Eastern teams. But of course, at this point, we pretty much have to consider the riders an Eastern team, right? Because they're in that race for the crossover. So uh, we, we can talk a little bit about that later. I guess that's well argued. I tend to be a bit of an apocalyptist on stuff like this anyway. Uh, I'm not, I, I was kind of shocked that the Regina, you know, that the post was, was talking about this um, because I wasn't ready to count them out, but well, to be fair, Rob Badstone has seen a whole lot more of this than we have. If he's he's running up the white flag already, right. It's definitely worth listening to at least. Right. Well, I don't know. The reportage out of Regina, out of Saskatchewan has been pretty cynical lately. So, you know, there, there, this may be some confirmation bias on his part too. Uh, but yes, definitely worth listening to. Um, I don't think I'd go quite that far, but I think I'd go a little bit further than Joe on that one. Now, as Joe alluded to the big news from this game was a bit unfortunate. Nathan Rourke, out with a foot injury. Now, since then, we've learned that that's a least France injury. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but this seems to be pronounced about 27 different ways. It's a but bad foot injury. Yeah, it's that one involving lots of little bones that you know kind of heals randomly, and you can never tell when you're going to come back from that. Now, of course, you know BC Lions PR is spinning this in a positive way. We're still optimistic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I can't see this dude coming back in calendar year 22. Uh, not being a doctor or anything, but why would you rush this? He's 25. You know why? Why would you rush it? Now, so I guess the question here is: All right, well. We like the Nathan Rourke story. The Michael O'Connor story is also attractive, too. I mean, here's a guy who played college ball at UBC. All right. He's, he's and had stepped- the pedigree to get a shot at Penn State. 
Right, exactly. He was actually there for a year and chose to come back home, which is you know, also a great story. So we got a hell of a local boy makes good potential story here. Uh, just off the top of your head, Joe, uh, how far do you think they can go with O'Connor? Hey, if they got... They were bullish, uh, Nathan Rourke, this preseason. I could tell Lions staffers and people around the Lions were very excited. I'm not seeing, uh, obviously, over the past couple of days, we've seen a lot about Rourke being out. But we've also, I've also seen a quiet confidence from those in the know that Michael O'Connor is expected to step in. Now, he may not, he's probably not going to put up the numbers Nathan Rourke did. Nathan Rourke was doing extraordinary things, but he's expected to be able to keep the team moving forward. And at this point in the, in the West, that's easily going to get you into second, if not first. Right. We've got, I was thinking about this. We've got five or six teams right now in the CFL out of the nine that are considering switching their quarterback that are transitioning between quarterbacks that are wondering about their starting quarterback, whatever. And O'Connor appears to be stepping into potentially the best situation. The best situation. You've got a ton of talent around you, right? The offensive line isn't, it was built more for Nathan Brooks game, but is still been a lot better over the past year than they have been in the past three or four. Um, you got the off, you got offensive coaching talent there. They'll and find a way to make the it league work. with two games up on number three, Calgary. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they nice have a cushion to, to work in. with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice, nice place to start. In and, now. and we haven't even mentioned the defense has been fantastic too. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, again, as, as exciting as this team has been on offense, their defense lately has been electric as well. Um, and it, becoming a good play in fantasy too. Uh, all right. So moving on to my favorite game of the week, Montreal. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> well, let me tell you, Joe, about Montreal Alouettes 29, Hamilton Tiger Cats 28. For the second week in a row, okay, Trevor Harris was really, really excellent in the fourth quarter. Clutch, even. This game, Joe, 8 of 8 for 139 yards, one touchdown. Okay, one sack taken, fair enough, but no interceptions. 11 points on the board and another W. We both we've beaten both the division champs now. Okay. Right now, at this moment, right? This very moment, we haven't seen O'Connor yet. At this very moment, Trevor Harris is the second best quarterback in the CFL. Now, and uh, I want to say this. God help us all. They've won, they've won both these games with still, still basically no running game. Okay, now, at this point, I'm going to go on a little bit more on this game. But at this point, Joe, I'd like you to sober me up on Trevor Harris. Give me the line. Give me the line, please. What? The one where he's just good enough to get you fired? Right. Thank you. Thank you. I have to keep remembering this because, man, lately he has been dope for this team. 
not dope meaning bad, dope meaning good. He has been. He, I, he, does, he does tend to be streaky, yes. Yeah, man. I, I, but I'm right like now it. he's on one of the hot, hot streaks that make you go, why can't this be the way it is all the time? Right. I'm liking this part of the algorithm, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sorry that we have to go into the buy this week. Uh, I guess the bad news is that uh, the injury to Tyson Philpott, who is literally knocked out, in this game, uh, you'd have to think that he'll be in concussion protocol, uh, you know, through this bye week. I would have to guess that they'll make him sit out the game coming back from the bye against BC. But on the plus side, hey, maybe we'll even see Michael stand back by then. Um, right now, Joe, are the Alouettes going to win the East? I think they still, they still have the most talent least. I think I felt that way the whole time. I just don't know. I mean, right now it looks like they're finally getting their stuff together, but there was a portion of that fourth quarter where I didn't think they had their stuff together. I thought they'd blown it again. Yeah, but they didn't, but they didn't. That's the thing. Look, this is the thing. This game this week, the game last week, if these two games had been in the first quarter of the season, we would have lost them both. You know, and I don't know if that's if that's due to the coaching change or whatever, but these last couple of games, they've mostly played really tight ball. Now, I should say this concerned about the penalties, <laughs> uh, concerned about taking 14 penalties for how many yards, some crazy amount of yards. I mean, I thought the Eskimos were bad last week, but whoo. The Alouettes really got the flags flying in this game, and yet they still pulled it off. Okay, which, so- uh, which you know, and, and you talking about that just makes me want to say to everybody that's talking about how they clearly haven't gotten their discipline problems fixed and they shouldn't have fired the coach over it. That was just an excuse. We just need to admit that to ourselves at this point. It was just an excuse for Danny Machocha to sit in the seat he's sitting in right now. Yeah. Yeah, you had that. We don't, we don't. We don't need to talk about this anymore. We know why it happened. They had it. He had it. He 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 was able to find a reason and made the move he made. And he was going to make that move as long as he was given any opportunity. Yeah, you so, had this. You had this <clears throat> pegged almost in the preseason. <laughs> so, I want to say it was Cliffy D though that was the first one to to clue me in on the idea. Right. That this is going to be a quick turnaround. Sure. Sure. <clears throat> Yeah, so, no, I wasn't even implying that. I mean, because this has been a bugaboo with these guys for a long time. All year, yes. Yeah, well, for years, dude. I mean, this has been, this has been driving me up the wall. Uh, just, there's just a poorly timed penalties, if not the plethora from game to game, uh, just driving me nuts. Now, Noel Thorpe's defense here is starting to look like Noel Thorpe's defense. But again, they're taking a lot of penalties too. So, you know, I mean, this is just going to make us crazy for the rest of the year. However, if this team continues to win again, can't emphasize this enough with basically no freaking running game to speak of, um, I'll take these penalties. It'll make me crazy. It'll age me 10 years, but I'll take these penalties. Um, on the other side, starting for the quarterbacks, uh, starting for the quarterback, starting for the tie cats at quarterback was Matthew Schultz, uh, who reminded me that basically 
I mean, do you think that every team in the CFL has a, has a quarterback who started for the Alouettes in the past five years, Joe? Because it sure feels like that. Maybe your guys don't, but I think everybody else does. Mm. Um, now, to his credit, Schultz probably had his best game of the season, uh, 27 of 39 for 303 yards and two touchdowns against zero picks. But it wasn't enough to, for the Ticats to win a game they really need to win with two games against the Argos coming up. Um, on the other, other hand, you, do, you just don't go back to Dane Evans and his 10 touchdowns versus 10 interceptions. Do you, I don't think you do that yet. No. If you put Matthew Schultz in there, especially if Dane Evans is still nicked up, you just ride the hot hand, see where it's going to take you because it, nothing else has worked this year. They've been the team that's been the most snake bit in the league, but like close it out once in a while, will you? <laughs> Or Oz will say don't because he's enjoying it. <laughs> well, I could use it. I mean, you know, for, for my team to come through here and, and actually, wow. I mean, we're actually looking at number one spot here. Montreal is, which would be awesome to have that home game in Montreal in the playoffs. Oh my God. That would be great. Sure. The um, first seven and 11 team to win the East. Okay. Well, again, we'll talk <laughs> about that later. We'll talk about that later. I honestly think, that uh, Montreal is going to probably end up in nine to nine. Uh, yeah, but eight, I mean eight, they, eight they have Ottawa. They have Ottawa three times. So right, right. But eight and ten is realistic. Yeah, as well. So even even beyond that. But again, I'll break that down for you a little bit later. Now, uh, finally, we had Calgary Stampeders twenty-two, Toronto Argonauts nineteen. Now, much has been made about the performance of Bo Levy Mitchell. But I did want to say this um, again on that first play of the game. That was what 60 yards, 61 yard completion, something like that, Joe. I think it was. Mm-hmm. And that case, was all she wrote. Right. In any case, in any case, Bo Levy uh, since, since, you know, we, we tend to experience football through the medium of fantasy very often these days with that pass. Bo Levy Mitchell earned himself two fantasy points or earned the teams who are foolish enough to have him this week, two points. Uh, he scored exactly zero fantasy points for the rest of the way, got pulled before the end of the game. However, here was the fun part is that the Calgary defense was so awesome that they got fantasy players, 18 points. Okay. Now, here, here's fantasy football, uh, adventures with fantasy football. Here we go. Here's the segment of the week for this. I was thinking at the last minute, because you could do it monetarily, you could either play Bo Levy Mitchell and the Calgary defense, or you could play Trevor Harris and the Montreal defense, right? Which was a very attractive uh, proposal for me because I don't have any confidence in this Ticats offense. Luckily, I stuck with the stamps and the, you know, uh, Bo Levy. However, ultimately, those two combinations each scored about the same amount of points. So, pretty interesting turn of events there. It's a good thing I didn't go with Bo Levy in the Montreal defense because then it really would have been screwed. But 
um, again, my point here is the Calgary defense was awesome. Now, is Bo Levy Mitchell over and can the Stamps actually go on a run here at the end of the season? Well, if you think about it, the only team that's really been in Calgary's way so far has been Winnipeg. Right. Winnipeg's taken two of them from them. Uh, and they'll have a chance at a third next week, but we'll get to that shortly here. Um, really, if you're, if you're only losing to Winnipeg, you're doing something right. If they lost, they let Nathan Rourke catch up to him a couple weeks ago, too. I mean, that's also not something to, not something to freak out about either. So yeah, I, I uh, going on a run is definitely on the table. They've got Winnipeg next week, then they've got the Labor Day back to back with Edmonton, then they've got BCBC, right? And those are really important. And BC is now a little bit less than what they were. How much less we don't know, but they only got beat by a point. So you know, if you think of it that way. Calgary might have already caught up. Uh-huh. BC's got a heck of a schedule going down the down the pike, and whereas before they were <clears throat> they were looking like a bit of a wild card uh, against Calgary and Winnipeg. Now, how many of these games can BC steal? Now, <laughs> now you have to wonder like how many hits are they going to take before the season's over? But again, we need to wait for O'Connor and his first game. This we'll know week. more in a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, by then. <laughs> All right. So um, on the Toronto side. Okay. Now, <laughs> Toronto has been sitting on the top for a long time. Uh, they were a big Vogue pick, I think, at the beginning of the season uh, to, to, to be in the Grey Cup from the Eastern half. And, but now, strangely, it seems like a lot of people are throwing in the towel on these guys. Um, is it over for McLeod Bethel Thompson? And what about the Argos great cup hopes? Have you thrown in the towel on these guys, Joe? No. Okay. Way too early for that. Okay. They're still in first place by. <laughs> yeah. Which is the weird thing about this. They have a game in hand. They're tied with Montreal. If, you, if you're using the point system, which is what you end up doing. But when you play a different amount of games, it's not apples to apples on the time during the season but i mean the uh, they've got hamilton two more times and hamilton split with them so far but hamilton's also not scaring anybody this year <laughs> they then follow that up with two games against ottawa okay. now toronto's a team that has ottawa's own ottawa's the only <laughs> toronto is the only team ottawa's beaten so far so they have to get that out of their heads. But they have the potential. And I don't know why it hasn't happened this way. But they have the potential to go on a run here themselves. They should, as far as I'm concerned, they should be running away with this division. And they just haven't. They haven't. They've let opportunities slip away that they shouldn't have let slip away. <clears throat> okay, well, let's just go into then some... Just some general thoughts that I had looking at these schedules, particularly of the Eastern teams. Now, looking at the Ticats and the Argos schedule, okay, just, just looking at who they're matching up against. Now, if you look at the Ticats schedule, schedule, especially since they're what, three and five right now, 
Three and right? seven. Three and seven. I'm sorry. They're three and seven right now. You really can't give them more than five. Why? Because they play Ottawa. They play Ottawa back to back at the end of the year. Is that are those the two you're giving them? Yeah, you give them Ottawa. You give them the Saskatchewan games, right? Just saying that you know you're trying to get five wins out of this, and then well, you, you got say six if you do that. <laughs> why? Well, because they got three wins, and if you give them Saskatchewan, Ottawa, Ottawa, that's three more. Okay, right. So let's. Yeah. Okay. So you give them that. All right. That's I, I would say you can only give them five more wins from the rest of the schedule. Oh, okay. five more total. Yeah. Five yeah. more. Not, yeah. So not a total to the, of five, five. You can yeah, yeah. staring at the schedule. You can only right. pick five wins out of it. Okay. Right. Five and three, <clears throat> five and three, the rest of the way, I think would be the best. It would be their ceiling yeah. in your mind. Right. Exactly. So, and you know, eight and 10, I mean, that's reasonable. Right. I mean, that's, you know, again, they still have to win five out of the last eight and they haven't had anything resembling that sort of run all year. I mean, you know, they're a 300 team. <laughs> so uh, now they do get Ottawa a lot and Saskatchewan, who, in my opinion, is reeling. Joe, you think more of them than I do. Um, now, by the same token, I mean, the Argos, you can easily see them winning no more than two of these games. Right. I mean, if they lose to Montreal, I mean, who are they going to beat? They've got Hamilton, Hamilton, Ottawa, Ottawa coming right. up. So, okay, okay. okay. Uh, I, I would expect three out of four there, but they've also—I okay. feel like they've underachieved against teams that they shouldn't have underachieved against. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So let's say okay, you could probably put them. Well, I have them uh, realistically just looking at the schedule and whatnot. I put them at six and 12. Now, there's still a possibility for them to go seven and 11. But the upshot of this is um, oh, well, okay. What do you think about the riders going forward? Don't love them. Okay. I, I, I Could just they think it's lose too early. out. Would you it's be too surprised? early? It's too early to say that, though. To give up. Labor Day is always goofy. It's yes. Been, it's been more rational in the last five years, but it's always on the table to be goofy. Yeah. See, people have been saying that uh, these days about, you know, because not many people are expecting much of the riders, you know, talk about throwing in the towel and whatnot. People have been saying, yeah, weird stuff always happens on Labor Day, but I'm just not buying it this year. I'm just not buying it. We'll see what the the bombers do coming out of this bye week. But if they're back to business, I they're not going to lose to superstition this year. They're just not. They're too good no, a football they've been, team. They've been better than that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So so I just don't see it this year. I think team biology is going to win out uh, in that back-to-back. I honestly think that, you know, if the Bombers show anything next week, they're going to sweep the Riders. Just bang, bang. That's it. So, you know, okay. So the Riders don't lose out. They maybe win like seven. They could finish with seven. So, I mean, if you really really want to be pessimistic about this and play the schedule game, they do host Edmonton. They are at Hamilton. Right. 
and then they've got the stamps back to back at the end and if the stamps aren't playing for anything you know you could play that game all day they do have winnipeg three times in in september i think the right. best you could do is give them one of the three but True. that's the best you can do that's, that's unless if something winnipeg strange happens i mean we're we're projecting based on what we know now next sure. week could be a whole nother can of worms just sbc fans well, yeah, but there's got to be a limit to how many quarterbacks can be lost and or swapped out, right? I mean, no, <laughs> no, no, no. You think we can lose like 15? I think there was one year where it seemed like every team lost their starting quarterback except for Mike O'Reilly, and half of them had lost <laughs> their second quarterback as well. Uh, there was one year where it seems like that happened to us. 2019 so. feels right for that. Yeah, as the Winnipeg fan that had three quarterbacks that year <laughs> worked out. That might have been. Yeah, I think I think the Owls had four quarterbacks that year. So I got you. Um, yeah, but that was part okay. of the course for Montreal for how many years? <laughs> okay, so now, okay, so basically, okay, the way that I have this broken down, I think if the Argos can eke out three more wins. I don't think the Riders will cross over. I, I can't. It's going to be hard for me to envision the Riders going eight and ten. I think. I think I would be surprised if they ended eight and ten. And I think that's what's going to take. Because I also think that the Owls and the Ticats are going to finish at at least eight and ten. Each. So you think Hamilton turns it on in the next couple of weeks and puts Toronto in the rearview mirror? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to ask why. Well, um, I just okay. Because uh, what long. I'm gathering, what I'm gathering is Hamilton's losing a ton of close games late, blowing leads here and there. It's easy to envision them as a 500 team, but they're not. Right? Is that where you think that the law of averages starts catching up, and they're they become a 500 team the rest of the way? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Look, if I've got them at eight and 10, that means, you know, they've got to play at least 500 ball the rest of the way a little bit better. Right. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling prediction at that point. But I think that I'm seeing the potential for them to score points these last few weeks. I mean, I think Montreal defense has played pretty well, you know, despite giving up multiple scores to Winnipeg and Hamilton in these games. I think that they've played about as well as can be expected. And, you know, I think that Schultz really has a grip on this offense now. Okay, let me ask you this. Matt Schultz literally played, I think, the best game of his CFL career last week. Was it an anomaly or is that representative of his game right now? Give it another two or three weeks and then I'll tell you. Ah, you can't waffle. See, I'm betting on the side that, yeah, he's got it. I think that he is clicking with this offense. And, and now that they can score more than 18 points in a game, they can win, even if they're still playing sort of slack defense. You know, I, I think they can, they can put up enough points against a team like Toronto, which I think you've got to catch them, especially somebody who's been known to throw a few bucks on these games. You've got to catch them when they appear to be on a downward trend here. You know, there's nothing really mathematical to back that up, but it certainly feels like that. Again, we were talking about the best situation for a quarterback to come into, 
this Argos situation is not the best, is not the best for somebody to come into right now, I think. It's probably the worst of the lot. So all these things, and I realize that this is pretty abstract, but I think you have to catch these trends. I mean, there's no way that the Argos are going to, when we look back on this, we're going to say, oh, yeah, they were wire to wire first place in the East. I'm just not buying that. I'm just not buying that. Not right no, now. No, nobody's gone gone wire to wire in the East, unless nope. somebody catches fire at this point. No. And no. even then, it would be like, oh, after Labor Day, they got on fire. Right. Yeah, sure. They dominated in the second half. Right. Right. So, so I mean, I just think that, okay, so the Argos... And to be won- fair, I think Montreal has the best potential out of the three teams, and I'm not even going to consider Ottawa for that. Um Montreal's got the best potential out of the three teams to start carrying carrying the East and start winning games left, right, and center. Yep. Yep. I think they have the best potential. I I also don't think they're capable they're capable of it though. They're not wired that way. (laughs) You don't think (laughs) so? I don't think anybody in the East is wired that way. You know, I feel wow. like all three of the teams in the East that we're talking about, not including Ottawa, because they're still, even after all the moves they made in the offseason, they still feel undermanned to me. But I think the other three should have been at least a game better than they are right now. Yeah, they're undermanned. They don't have a run game. We don't have standback. We don't even have a backup at this point. We got guys averaging three yards a carry. We can't do anything on first down. You know, that's where we're shorthanded. If if yep. if standback comes back, we're going to the great cup. That's it. I don't I don't care what our final record is. We're going to a great cup. We're going to win a bunch of games at the end of the season. We're going to go to a great cup. If we get a running game, we get somebody who can give us four yards on first down. I mean, literally, I feel like that's all we need right now to compete with the best teams. We just beat last year's two best teams or two of the three best teams last year. We just beat them, you know, back to back. So in any case, we got to buy this week. So it'll be nice for me to look, just watch these games and just watch this stuff unfold. I mean, the Alouettes, interestingly, have the fewest questions of all teams besides Winnipeg right now. So going to be an interesting slate. Now, Calgary Stampeders are five and a half points at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I really think the book is being conservative here because, I mean, literally, Joe, this could be the single most unfavorable draw on the entire CFL schedule, not even considering the competition or the quarterback situation, okay? Calgary played on Sunday late, and they get to play on Thursday against the champs coming off a bye and often overtime loss. In Winnipeg, I mean, that alone is worth six points. And then they're playing in Winnipeg. So was it worth six points when B- when Winnipeg went into BC on five days rest or when Winnipeg played Calgary on five days rest or well, Winnipeg went to Montreal on five days rest? Well, Calgary has been playing out this year. <laughs> yeah, but Calgary's also got this weird quarterback <clears throat> switch going on. Now, I understand that the defense is hot right now for the Stamps, but they're playing the Bombers. I mean, the Stamps put it all on the line earlier this season, and they still lost on the last play of the game. 
you know, they played a perfect game and they still lost, you know? So it's like, you know, I just can't see that. I mean, look, I'm going to be rational and say the math is off here and the stamps are going to lose this by 10 points or more. Uh, now, if you want to go, you know, this never pans out. Like you just said, um, fine. It hasn't you know, panned out this year. much. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm saying this is the bombers, man. This is the bombers. Um, this is not like just any team from the West at any point in the season. This is the bombers coming off an overtime loss and a bye. This, this is a double digit loss for the stamps. I, I feel like it's going to be like the first game between these two teams. It's going to be really low scoring because mm-hmm. Winnipeg isn't blowing people off the field this year. No, not really. They're winning. They're, they're taking it off in the fourth quarter. Right. Nine times out right. of 10. Right. It's going to be like something like 17 to 15. The wow. last drive of the game is going wow. to matter. Jake Mayer is going to put up like 300 yards, but they're not, they're going to kick like five field goals. <laughs> that's the way this plays out. A, so this is an auto. This is going five for five. Right. Yeah. So it's an auto game. Okay. Great. All right. Um, wow. Okay. Well, because Calgary so, isn't putting up points lately. Oh no, of course not. Of course not. Because of Bo, right. I mean, they showed that stat, mm-hmm. uh, the, the first four games versus the last four games. For these stamps, they're scoring something like 15 points a game fewer. I mean, they're just not, it, it, it's a low watt passing game. Now, if you think Meyer's going to go for a lot of yards, I think that means the stamps are going to put up at least a couple of touchdowns. Of not course, the Bombers aren't going to turn it over. So, you know, no, not necessarily. Uh, Winnipeg does tend to give up yards in chunks. Mm-hmm. They're just not, they just don't let people score. <laughs> So you don't see a you don't see a scenario where it's like twenty seven to three. I I mean the scenario is there, but Winnipeg's offense hasn't taken off this year. Like they they they're yeah. capable of moving the ball, keeping the ball. They'll score their share of points, but they're not blowing anybody off the field. And I don't see Calgary walking. Calgary's too well coached to walk into Winnipeg and lay an egg. Yeah, okay. I just don't, I don't see that happening. Okay. It's going to be a tough one, but I think Winnipeg wins. But okay, I like five points. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, maybe I'll do the maybe I'll do the Calgary plus the points and Winnipeg money line. Uh, I tried that last week. It didn't work out so well with Ottawa. So, <laughs> right, all right. So this one we've got second game: Hamilton Tiger Cats. Oh boy, three point underdogs. At the Argos. Now, you know where I'm going with this one. I think Thai Cats are trending up slightly, at least. And I think the Argos are trending down. I would take the Thai Cats in this game straight up. So I'll definitely take them plus three. I'm taking Toronto. Okay. All uh, right. I like these. I like mm-hmm. these agreements here. Okay. Um, because you're not giving who who's the quarterback for Toronto this week? What do they do there? McLeod Bethel Thompson. Okay. And I have no doubts about that. Okay. But you've got to be thinking this is a super low scoring game then if Toronto wins. Or at least the low twenties for both sides. Right. Okay. This is definitely on the table. Okay. Uh, I I do have high I have good feeling about Toronto's defense. They've been playing well. Okay. The offense has been low octane lately, but okay. Is this if a... one team decides to make a whole bunch of turnovers it's going to be obvious who's going to win at that point but okay. giving evening that out 
I like Toronto's offense against Hamilton's defense more than vice versa. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad assessment. Do you think that Hamilton throws it away in the fourth quarter? I mean, if they lose, that's how they're going to do it. Right? <laughs> okay. All right. Now, this one I thought was pretty funny. I, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. I shouldn't say funny. What was funny is that comment. Um, okay. Saskatchewan Rough Riders, four and a half point underdogs at BC, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, so obviously... <laughs> I guess the books are liking the BC backup quarterback more than they're liking the Saskatchewan backup quarterback. And this certainly backs up my contention that the Riders aren't going to win more than one or two more games this season. <laughs> um, wow. When BC is good, they're hard to beat at home. And BC is good. So I guess, but with a quarterback taken, you know, first snaps as a starter here. Um, do you really like him as a four point favorite? Wow, that's very interesting. Sure, okay, all right. Wow, despite the fact that you know, maybe not, maybe not a 10 or 11 or 12 point favorite, but four points, sure, why not? Okay, do you think they win by four or more? Yeah, probably by a touchdown. Okay, wow, I, huh. I, I like their defense. I don't think Saskatchewan's offense is good enough to beat BC's defense this year. Mm-hmm. I wonder if something fluky isn't going to happen here. I want, I mean, you can't really bet that, but I do wonder. So probably if I were playing this on, on, on Pick'em, I'd have the BC Lions, but my confidence meter would be way down at like 10 on this one. I just, I don't, I don't, I got a bad feeling about this one. I think the over might be a good bet on this, I suspect. Um, right. Finally, we end up with <laughs> what should be it. Quite an interesting game here. Red Blacks, three-point underdogs at Edmonton. Edmonton, could they finally win at home, Joe? Is the long provincial nightmare over? That is over. All right. It is over. All right. The final, it is over. Okay. Now, Edmonton, of course, had a field day on the offense, especially in the second half against Ottawa. How good do you think this offense is becoming now? They've had a lot of time to shape and reshape this, this game plan and this offense. How, how do you think they're going to be going forward in the second half? Well, they're showing flashes of competency. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's more than they had early in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides Trey Ford playing like what, basically one full game, maybe a little more than that. They were a little bit more dynamic with him around, but Taylor Cornelius hasn't been doing all that bad lately. Now, we talked about the East a little bit more, but I also checked out the BC Lions schedule because I'm wondering how they fare with this quarterback change if worse comes to worse. Now, BC gets riders by Montreal. Okay? Competent team should do okay against that. Then they get games against Calgary and the East kind of mixed up in there. But the last three games are uh, basically a Winnipeg sandwich with Edmonton in week 20. So this is, this is quite the scintillating schedule. If somehow Winnipeg drops a couple of games and they still have to fight for the West because 
the 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 Lions are in a very dangerous spot where they could be backing into the playoffs. And they could they could end up third in that in that West as well. Yeah, I could see I could see third place very easily. Yeah. Yeah, especially with what's going on. If they go like 500 the rest of the way, but Calgary beats them. Mm -hmm. Again, that totally on the table. Assuming Calgary is keeping their ship upright, too. Right, exactly. Exactly. I felt, I really felt like last week that that was a real closing of the door on the first half of the season. And this week is really the first, you know, this is the second half. Here we go. Now, now things get real uh, in the CFL going forward. Um, looking forward to this week's games. Looking forward to these games. This, this could be good. I, I, I think I'm going to have to throw some money out there too. Uh, Joe, I didn't want to bring this up, but I just, I have to. Got to ask, what is happening to you in the Canadian Football Podcast Network Daily Canadian Fantasy Football League. First place in total points scored. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Well, I won't. I no, mean, you geez, sure won't, will you? Come on. I'm ninth in points scored. Finally, I finally moved up. So I'm on the bubble here. Now, I, I'm telling you, man, I, I'm, I'm starting to be deluded enough that I'm going to squeak into the playoffs here. So you better I mean, watch you out. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't face Tim White last week, did you? No. Thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> <clears throat> well, damn, I, I you gotta love again for these for these alouettes right now, you've got to love White and Lewis. And I mean, even in fantasy ball, when they come back after this week, man, that's gonna be it's gonna be tempting not to go at Lewis even at 10,000 or whatever. You know, because, wow, those guys have just been incredible for us lately. So sorry about that. You know, again, I won this week on the strength of Calgary defense and uh, Olwet for Toronto got a stupid amount of points, too, as a running back, getting all kinds of getting all kinds of points, catching the ball and scoring on a pass. So that was a good. That was a good fantasy play this week, too. Um, well, Joe, good luck going forward. I mean, I've got my eye on the future. I've got the uh, one of the Argos podcasters this week, and he's just one place in front of me. And then after that, between me and the playoffs is only Travis Curra. So I know he doesn't listen to his podcast, but I'm going to pretend he does. I got my eye on you, Travis. You got a target on your back, man. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Can you turn it around, Joe? Is it over for you? Oh, hell no. <laughs> Remember, I'm first, I'm first in point scored. I'm also six and five because fantasy football sucks and I hate it. <laughs> yeah. See, I hit that point a couple of weeks ago, but I've been hot. So I'm back on the I'm back on the wagon now. <laughs> in any case, okay, Joe. Well, good luck to you. And I'll sign it off. For my co-host, Joe Pritchard, this is Oz Davis, and this has been the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. Enjoy this week of games. This is going to be great. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. <laughs>